I speak to you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We have entered the best month of the year, and not just because pumpkin spice is filling the air. No, October is the best month because it is the Nerds Awards season. While some people await the winter for the Entertainment Awards season, you know, the Grammys and the Golden Globes in January, the Oscars in March, and theater folks approach the Tonys in June with joy, October is when nerds the world over celebrate their trifecta the Nobel Prizes, the MacArthur Genius Award, look for this year's fellows to be announced on Wednesday, and finally, my favorite, the Man Booker Award out of England, given each year for the best original novel written in the English language. And you can bet that I'll be tuning into NPR first thing on October 17th to learn who is this year's winner. I especially love the literary awards, of course, but really, I love them all. All last week, I eagerly awaited each daily announcement of the Nobel Prize. Medicine on Monday, physics on Tuesday, chemistry Wednesday, literature Thursday, and the one everyone waits for, the Nobel Peace Prize on Friday. Now, I have real opinions about the awards for literature. I'm telling you right now that there will be hell to pay if George Saunders' brilliant book, Lincoln and the Bardo, doesn't win the Man Booker this year. And I was a little disappointed in the Nobel for literature this year. I mean, I love some of Ishiguro's novels, but I'm not sure he's Nobel worthy. But then again, Bob Dylan won the award last year, so who knows? I have lots of opinions about these awards, and maybe you do too. But I was shocked by the reaction to the Nobel Peace Prize this year. It was awarded to the International Campaign to Abolish Nuclear Weapons, or ICANN, a global organization seeking to outlaw and eliminate all nuclear weapons under international law. They have promoted the UN Treaty on the Prohibition of Nuclear Weapons. It's a legally binding prohibition. It's supported by over 100 countries, though none of them have nuclear powers. And the reaction has been mixed, to say the least. Many critique their work as naive, a waste of time, useless. Some argue that their Nobel Prize is impotent since countries with nuclear weapons haven't signed on to this prohibition and they won't anytime soon. Others think the work is misguided. After all, if bad guys have nuclear weapons, then good guys need them too. You can only deter a nuclear threat with a nuclear threat. Well, Maybe. But I can't help feeling that ICANN is doing the right thing. After all, 
we're awash in violence. We've had another horrendous mass shooting. Wars proliferate abroad, refugees scramble for safety. Nuclear anxieties, things I thought a thing of my childhood, have peaked again after 30 years of calm, what with reports that the president will decertify the Iran nuclear deal and saber-rattling with atomic overtones between North Korea and our own country. With all of that, I have to hope that there is another way. There must be another way to deal with threats than by responding with worse threats. Another way to end violence than with more violence. Certainly with nukes, responding in kind ensures that all lose. Or as Gandhi reminded us, an eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. And then we get to today's parable, Jesus' third reaction to the religious leaders questioning his authority. This time Jesus tells a parable that really is an allegory. He asks them to imagine a landowner who plants a vineyard, protects it, leases it to tenants, and then leaves the country. The tenants refuse to pay what they owe. Not only that, they beat and kill the servants who come to collect the debt. The landowner sends more servants. The tenants treat them the same. Finally, the landowner sends his son, believing that they must respect him. Instead, the tenants become more irrational and greedy, believing they could steal the son's inheritance by killing him. Jesus then asked the religious leaders, what do you think the landowner will do to those tenants when he arrives? They respond, as would anyone, as would we. He'll put those wretches to a miserable death, and then he'll lease the vineyard to good tenants, they say. At first, this landlord seems ridiculously patient and trusting, but then justifiably violent in seeking justice. This might make us uncomfortable, but we get the logic of it. And if you read this allegorically, Israel's the vineyard, the first servant sent are the prophets who are rejected over and over, then God sends his only son who will be killed by the religious authorities, and thus God is justified in punishing them and putting better tenants in their place. This way of understanding the parable, however, has led to anti-Semitic violence and scapegoating down the centuries. As Christians have assumed this meant that Jews were to blame for Jesus' death and that God punished them by replacing them with Christians. That line of thinking falls in line with our naturally violent tendencies, which are to look for whom to blame and punish, to seek vengeance rather than pursue mercy. We human beings seem hardwired to respond to violence with violence. 
take another look at the parable. Jesus asks, what will the landowner do? The assumption that he will respond with violence is the religious leaders. The assumption that he will respond with violence might even be the gospel writers. The assumption that he will respond with violence is probably ours. Violence, after all, demands a violent response. That's our way. But it is not God's. And I'm very grateful to scripture scholar David Lose for reminding me of this. You see, God's way is not to kill and destroy. God's response to our violence is the cross of Jesus Christ, which doesn't return violence with violence, but instead absorbs our violence. God absorbs our violence and responds with life, resurrection, triumph over death. Is that naive, unrealistic, a waste of time? Maybe, but it's God's way. In all things, Jesus offers peace, not violence. My peace I leave with you, my own peace I give to you. He bids us to be peacemakers too. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be children of God. And even after we've done our violent worst, he promises to be with us even to the end of the ages, bidding us not to wreak vengeance for his death, but instead urging us to offer good news to all. This is tough for us. We humans who are neurally hardwired for fight or flight, to punch back when punched, to think the only way to oppose violence is with more violence, but it's not God's way. Which is why we have to immerse ourselves in scripture and prayer. Immerse ourselves in our parish community so that we might be formed into instruments of peace rather than agents of war. I wonder if we take seriously this need to be shaped and formed by the Prince of Peace, of the need to be different than the world in the way we face evil and violence. Today, after the confession, we will participate as witnesses as Catherine Costin takes her novice vows as a member of the community of the gospel. As you know, we are so fortunate to have a number of vowed religious here at All Saints. I asked them all to be in habit today so you can recognize them. They are a living sign for all of us that we are called to live differently in this world. 
that we are marked as God's own forever, members of a baptismal covenant that charges us to love God and love neighbor. Our vowed religious are a visible sign that we are to walk in the world, but in the way of God, which is the way of prayer and righteousness, of mercy and love and peace. In a violent world, it's easy to be violent in our thoughts, in our words, and our actions. But we follow the Prince of Peace, the one who bids us to turn our swords into plowshares, our spears into pruning hooks, to turn the other cheek to make peace. We follow the one who would rather die than to respond violently who would rather absorb our violence, returning violence with life and peace and resurrection. And when we know that, when we accept that, well then, we who are hardwired for violence can only pray, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And I invite you to pray with me on the words, with the words of St. Francis on page 833 of your prayer book. Lord, make us instruments of your peace. Where there is hatred, let us sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Where there is doubt, faith where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, where there is sadness, joy. Grant that we may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love, for it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen.